Yesterday we discussed that this branch of deen known as Ihsan. This is also fundamentally important. Previously, people used to go through great sacrifices, efforts to acquire this and to cleanse the nafs and the <coughs> heart of all the base qualities. One is the outer side of insan, human being, only the external self. And the other is our internal self. The external self we make a lot of effort on. Among the biggest industries in the world is the cosmetic industry. But I was told one of the biggest industries in the world is the cosmetic industry. It runs into the billion. What is the cosmetic industry all about? Just adorning and enhancing the external self. So to try and enhance the external self, person try to make themselves look better. Somebody who is uh, light skinned are trying to get themselves tanned and make themselves dark skinned. Somebody who is maybe of a less light skin is trying to become lighter. This is the whole chapter of dunya. So all the effort is being made on the external self. But the external self and internal self, the comparison to this is like the horse and the rider. So the rider, that's the internal self. And the horse is the external self. The person is feeding the horse, giving it the best food, giving it all the attention, all the care, and he's starving the rider. Because all the effort and time and money and everything is being spent on the horse. So when the horse is being fed all the time and it's become nice and strong and healthy, and the rider on the other side is starved, is weak. So the slightest movement of the horse too will throw the rider off. The rider will be by, by the wayside. And then the horse will do what he wants. It will then take havoc. Because it got no rider. Nobody controlling it. So the same is with ourselves that all the attention and all the time and effort is on the external self. Physically to enhance the external self. But the writer is inside the soul. And the attention of the soul is minimal, if there is any attention. Very minimal. So what happens? That this external self, this becomes very healthy, and then with it the nafs becomes very bloated. And all the ailments of the heart set in, because the heart and the soul is weak. 
the body is weak, it's immune, it's prone to disease. Because the spiritual self, the heart and the soul is very weak, because no attention to it, it's not being nourished, it's prone to disease. What are the diseases of the heart? All these ailments, pride, malice, jealousy, anger, lust, and all these various maladies of the heart, the love of dunya, the love of the ego, so this, the greed for dunya, all these are the maladies of the heart. So all this starts sitting in, because the heart is not being nourished, the soul is not being nourished. So previously, people used to go through great efforts to cleanse the heart and soul of all these maladies. It was something that they dedicated time for. They went and spent time in the company of the Mashiach, sometimes years on end just to get this nafs under control, to adorn this heart, to adorn the soul, to make the heart and soul healthy and nourish them. For example, if we take anger, what a common malady this is. And as we discussed earlier, generally a person who is afflicted by some inner disease, some malady of the heart, the last thing this person will do is acknowledge it. Very seldom this will happen unless the person now is on course to rectify it. He has got the concern to rectify it and he is ready to acknowledge it, then that's a different issue. Otherwise, generally very difficult. Person who has pride, the last thing he'll do is admit he's got pride. The person who has got malice will have some explanation for you. That this is not really malice, it's not really a problem with me. This is something well that person deserves it. He needs to be cheated like that. Person has got jealousy, he'll have some explanation for it. He'll keep making some kind of interpretation and explanation, but the last thing a person will do is accept that this is my problem. So like that is anger. What a common malady. Whereas in the Hadith Sharif, there's so much of emphasis on controlling anger. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala speaks about this. The virtues of those who, the Muttaqeen, the month of Taqwa is Ramadan. And among the salient qualities of the Muttaqeen, Allah Ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran Kareem, Sari'u ila maqfiratin min rabbikum, wa jannatin arduha samawatu wal ard, wa iddat lil Muttaqeen. Sari'u, many of this is rush, the other is compete with one another. So rush towards the forgiveness of your Rabbi. In other words, this is something to really rush towards. We go rushing towards dunya, Allah Ta'ala says, come rushing towards akhirat. Towards the makhirat of Allah Ta'ala. Ila makhirat in rabbikum. And towards jannah. So to rush towards jannah is to rush towards those a'mal, those deeds that take a person to jannah. Entry to jannah will happen in its time. But the process is to rush towards those actions that take a person to Jannah. Those righteous deeds. That's why I think rush towards this. That Jannah, the breadth of which is the expanse of the heavens and earth. The breadth is merely given as the expanse of the heaven and earth to make us understand something. And the breadth, because the breadth is the shorter distance. The length is the longer distance. So if this is the breadth, what will be the length? And that too is really to bring it to our, close to our understanding. It's beyond our understanding. 
تو سچی واس جنت اللہ تعالیٰ سے ہوئی سے جنت ہو عدت دل متقین جنت ہیز بن پریپیئر فور دا متقین دس منت آف تقوا ایس متقین Who are the Muttaqeen? What are the salient qualities? The highlights in their lives? So among the salient qualities, now obviously Muttaqeen, so they are obedient to Allah. They are staying away from sin. And together with that, these are the highlights. Al-Ladheena yunfiquna fissarra'i wa-dharra'i Those who spend in the cause of deen, the path of Allah Ta'ala, of the poor, of the needy, of the indigent, They spend fissarra'i wa-dharra'i in ease and adversity. They spending in the path of Allah Ta'ala is not dependent on what the circumstances are. Yes, obviously in ease a person may be able to spend more and in time of want and adversity he may be able to spend less but he keeps spending. He doesn't hold that. So that is his salient quality. The Muttaqeen, the Sajid quality, that they are always spending in the cause of Allah. On those who are less fortunate, in helping the poor, in helping the servants of Allah. In assisting in the work of Deen, the avenues of Deen, this is their ongoing thing. Whatever the circumstances may be. Because the quantity is not what Allah looks at. The more the better. But the quantity is not the main thing. The main thing is that sincerity in the quantity. Even it might be a small book, but if there's sincerity in it, it's for Allah Ta'ala alone. Not for any other purpose. No ulterior motive. Then it comes to the hadith, a person spends one date, or piece of a date in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Sincerely for Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala nurtures it. And grows it in the akhirah. And when he comes in the day of Qiyamah, he'll find mountains of reward. You will wonder where this came from. He'll be told that this was a sincere spending of their one day in the path of Allah. This was nurtured, was grown. This is that investment where there is no loss. Provided that it's done with sincerity. So he keeps spending in the path of Allah. And then the second thing Allah says, وَالْكَعْوِمِينَ الْغَيْرِ And they restrain their anger. This is a salient quality of the Muttaqeen. The person who has taqwa will have this in him. وَالْكَعْوِمِينَ الْغَيْزِ That they restrain their anger. Sometimes, the person becomes very angry. Afterwards then he says, well, somebody talks to him or says, why you became so angry? He says, well, I was provoked. If a person becomes angry without being provoked, a person becomes angry without being tested, then there is something really, very, very seriously wrong. Normally, anger will be provoked. Anger will only come in this, in some way a person has been tested in some way. If somebody comes to him and very nicely speaks to him and gives him some pleasant and he gets angry, this person now needs an emergency appointment. 
This person is in a terrible state. Mentally very, very unstable. Somebody came to him nicely, they spoke to him beautifully, and they gave him on Hadiyah and your angry way. But somebody comes and speaks to him in an incorrect way, in an inappropriate way. Spoke to him in a rude manner, spoke to him harshly, and now he got angry, it is understandable. But though it is understandable, Deen is teaching us that that the anger welling at that time is understandable. But Walkazumin al Ghais, you lock it up. Kaabumin al Ghais, in the Hadith Sharif also the same word is used, man kawamalhayivan. The one who restrains his anger. What this actually is, the meaning of this is that where, for example, like some steam, and you would hold that steam back. Something that is inside and a person has locked it in. So, Walkawimin al Ghais is not that a person won't get angry, that those who don't become angry. That's not in his control, it's human nature, it's a human emotion. If somebody says something, it's human emotion that you get upset, you get angry. But the person who has taqwa does not vent this anger, unless it is being vented in a place that is required that it be vented. But if that's not the case, it's invented for nafs, that's a different issue. So that is where this Ta'zimin al-Ghayl, for the Shah Ismail Shaheed Rahmatullah a very great personality of his time, very great personality. In his, his courses and talks, there will be thousands of people, thousands of people change their lives at his hands. And a person of a very high caliber, great Muhammad, and scholar of his time, in India, about one and a half, two centuries ago. So in any case, <coughs> he was known to be a person who, as they call a very Jalali person. In other words, he could not take anybody's nonsense, so to say. He was known as somebody else who would get angry quickly, as they would normally take it. One day he is giving a talk in the Jami Masjid of Delhi. The Jami Masjid of Delhi is a huge masjid. Thousands of people. And he is a person held in very high esteem. Person who is greatly respected. Like in our understanding and context now, the Imam of the Haram is now present. So the esteem that people hold him in, this was the kind of respect and esteem he had. Now he is busy delivering this talk in the Jami Masjid of Delhi, and somebody who was put up, now he also had his people who were trying to suppress him because he was talking the truth and the haq, which some people couldn't digest, so they were trying to silence him in some way. So now they put up somebody, they paid him to now come and create a commotion so that this talk mustn't happen. This talk must get disrupted. Now how they ask, pay this person to commit this disruption, so now the talk comments, short while later this person stands up, because his talks were such that by the time the talk would finish, so many people would make toba from all the evils that they are involved in, and especially the evil practices that used to be involved in, and the bid'at and so on. So now this was affecting some others. So now they want to put a stop to this. In any case, now why he was busy giving this talk, this person stands up. And in the midst of that gathering, he says that I want to ask a question. You know the question you want to ask? Now imagine that the talk carrying on, the whole place is packed, and 
see here people are all present, ulama, influential people, everybody else is there, and he stands up in the middle of the gathering and says, I want to ask a question. What question I want to ask? Now, the etiquette is not to interrupt in the middle, already he tolerated that much. Then this person says, that I have heard that you are an illegitimate person. Can you imagine in the midst of a gathering, a person held in this esteem, this respect and honor, and he is being told this in this manner. I have heard you are an illegitimate person. What is the reality of this? So the Chaisman Shaheed who was known to be somebody who had a thick temper. That's how people thought about him. They said that his tone also didn't change. The tone of his voice also didn't change. And in the same calm tone that he was talking before that, in the same tone he replied and said, I'm sorry brother, you are highly mistaken. The witnesses to my parents' nikah, some of them are still alive. And some are living in this place, some are in that town. You may go and verify it for yourself. And he said this much, and he carried on as if nothing happened. Now if this is not provocation, then what is provocation? This kind of provocation is such that a person wants to take the, that such a person's life. People who are trigger happy, then by the time that person finished his last word or by the time he stopped talking, he would have stopped talking forever in the presence of somebody who is trigger happy. As they say in some parts of the world, people they shoot first and ask questions later. So if there is something that they are not happy about and they feel this person has stepped out of line, then first they shoot him and then they want to know why he stepped out of line. So they will ask him, whoever they will ask, but now it's already the judgment has been passed and the sentence has already been executed and this person is executed too. So in any case now, in this midst of this gathering, he didn't get emotional in any way, he didn't start shouting on top of his voice, he didn't start becoming abusive, he didn't even change his tone. Now does it mean that this didn't affect him? That nothing happened inside? No, this, every human being will feel this as a stab in his heart. What is the problem with this person? <coughs> but that quick temper that was known was only where it was required for the sake of being. When something had to be rectified in terms of being, regarding Rasulullah it is mentioned that there wasn't a more tolerant person than him. And he never ever took revenge for himself in any way. Revenge is not always going to try and hit somebody down or revenge is to go and try and put some problem on the person. Revenge is sometimes is verbally also. Somebody said something, he took revenge verbally by saying something bad. Nabi Islam never ever took revenge for his personal self. Somebody abused him, what things were said to him. But he never took revenge for himself. But, وَإِذَا تُعُرِّدَ لِلْحَقِّ لَمْ يَقُمْ لِغَضَبِهِ أَحَدٍ But if the truth was interfered, when somebody did something against the command of Allah, then he said that right. And if that required him to become angry at that time, nobody could come in the face of that anger to try and uh, that don't, don't attempt to just leave it. No, then the Nabi Sahasun went to the anger also. So there's a need for that anger. 
but in the right place. Our anger is generally only for nafs. When there's an issue of deen, then there won't be any anger. Command of Allah Ta'ala is broken nothing. But if something to deal with ourselves, our personal self, then a person cannot control himself. And then all the new terminology. These terminologies we didn't hear about five years ago, maybe more. That went on the rail and lost it. And person, all these new terminologies just merely make it like an excuse for oneself that not my fault now, I lost it. Like a person got lost now, doesn't he? He got lost. It's just to create an excuse for ourselves that I lost it, so now, now you don't really accept it. So now if we get lost all the time, Allah knows this, where we can finish off. Because we stay on the track, can't be lost. Sometimes a person gets lost and next thing he goes over the cliff. Because he didn't know the road, he went over the cliff. So this anger now is such a deep disease. Uncontrolled anger. The person now and just starts venting his anger anywhere and everywhere. He cannot bottle this, meaning he cannot control it. Now sometimes the person says, I'm going to bottle it. When this starts, somewhere it's going to explode. That's correct. When it is being bottled only and being preserved. So now the person is storing that steam somewhere. He's generating the steam, the coal engine is generating the steam somewhere, and then he's packing it somewhere. So then it starts moving the whole train because now it has to come out. Like a steam pot. If that steam pot it starts releasing that steam gradually. But if that steam doesn't get released at all, because of the special cookers, if that steam is not released at all, in time that steam pot will become like an atom bomb. It will explode in such a way it will take everything with it. That steam has to get released. Now the problem is that we only release it for dunya. But at that time, the person became upset, the anger was within him, and he released the steam by reflecting on what he got in return for restraining this anger. He reflected on that I stopped this in the so That steam didn't say exactly. It got passed on. The hadith, hadith last one says, Man the person who restrains his anger at a time when he is able to vent it. Because sometimes and this anger is very, very intelligent. Anger is very intelligent. Normally people say, I lost this and so on. They only lose it on somebody who they can vent it on. Now the wife did something, so now he lost it. Now he's supposed to be excused now because he lost it. But because he can vent it on the wife, that's why he lost it. But now the same thing that the wife did, somebody else did. So the same word that was said to him, somebody else said to him. So now he started losing it, but then he turned around and saw who said it, or who tramped his toes. And he said, nobody was tramped my toes. I can't tolerate it, somebody tramped my toes. Now his toes were tramped, somebody tramped it, and they tramped it hard. But when he looked nicely, he was sort of with a six-footer, wrestler and his sleeves are folded also and he's looking for a fight. So now suddenly he manages to say it so well and what he was losing he finds that too. <laughs> and he finds it so well that he keeps it nicely inside within him and quietly he disappears from there. Because he 
that anger is so intelligent, it worked it out. That here, if you were to get really mums up, then you carry on. Otherwise, then you just move on, just leave it, don't worry about it. Now you say, you know what, remember all the hadiths of forgiveness. MashaAllah, what a great reward it is to forgive. Don't worry, Allah says, I forgive you. So at that time now, all the forgiveness comes to mind. But on the other side, somebody who he can bend that anger on, somebody who is weaker than him, somebody who is under him in some way or the other, so now he's supposed to be excused because he lost it. Supposed to be excused because, well, he went off the rails and all these kind of things. The thing is that we haven't learned, number one, we haven't identified it as a malady. But this is a disease, it's a sickness. A person feels a flu, there's a headache, he now is already asking for the tablet, the panado. And that didn't come right yet, and he's going to the doctor. The doctor gave some medication that didn't seem to help, now he's looking for a specialist. There were two times the doctor is nothing happening to The headache is still there. So now he's looking for a specialist. And then that specialist also gave some medication, okay, some treatment, and that didn't come right, so now he's looking for a second opinion. Why? Because this must come right. So physically, there's some problem, there's some difficulty, some pain. We take all the efforts, undertake all the costs. Now by the time we finish off with that one round, and all these blood tests we make him do, and some x-rays, and some scans, and some this and that, he's finished off paying tens of thousands of rands on that. That one CT scan will cost him 8,000, 10,000. But he's ready to do all that. Why? Because he wants the treatment of that malady. That malady was not remain. So likewise, the first thing is to recognize that this is a disease, that this is a malady, and then to undertake the treatment for the disease. Sheikh Abdul Qudus Dangori the great personality in India, and thousands of people came to him, benefited from him, people's lives came for the better, went from where to where. Unfortunately, his own son didn't show much interest. And while thousands of people came and benefited from the father, the son got deprived. So he didn't show any interest, he didn't give that importance to learning something from his father. In any case, time passed, and finally the father passed away. So, after some time had passed, this suddenly dawned upon him, upon the son. what a terrible deprivation. This wealth was in my house. And others came and benefited and I lost her. So now it dawned upon him that I need to do something. So he inquired from those who were associated with Shaykh Abdul that who was among those who were closest to my father and who had benefited the most from him. So he was told that this person who lives in Balf, great chef also, who benefited from your father, one of his closest associates, <coughs> he is the person who seems to have benefited the most. If you want to take something, you will have to go to him now. So Gango is in India and Balf, past Afghanistan, thousands of kilometers away. So he travels, now travel of that time. And the journey at that time was a very difficult day. He traveled all the way. Now as he's going and nearing Balf, 
the message gets to bulk because people are coming and going, passing somehow. The message gets to bulk beforehand. But the son of Shaykh Abdul Qudur, the Muayyakullah, is coming. Now the son of the Shaykh is coming. So as the day approached that he will now be arriving by this time, this day, so the Shaykh in bulk was the Khalifa of Shaykh Abdul Qudur, the Muayyakullah, he came out of the town to come and receive him and welcome him. And half the town came with him. So the whole town came along. So he was the sheikh of the whole town. The sheikh is going out to welcome somebody. So like the prince coming. In any case, they came, as he arrived, they received him, sort of ikram, sort of muhabbat, sort of uh, great respect and honor. And the son of the sheikh, he was brought, came into Balf, the house of the sheikh. Now he's been treated as royalty best of food, all the best of uh, treatment. <coughs> After three days passed, Shaykh son, he said to the chef now, look, I haven't come here for this. All this royal treatment, all this lavish entertainment and meals and so on, I didn't come for this. So I asked him, what you came for? So what I came for is, that that wealth which you received from my father, I have come to take it from you. That wealth which you received from my father, that nisbat of Allah Ta'ala, that connection and talent with Allah Ta'ala, that love of Allah Ta'ala, that cleansing of the heart and soul of all the maladies of the heart and soul, that wealth that you received from my father, I have come to take it from you. Now he was sincere, he was committed, and in that zamana and time, things were handled differently. He says, this is what you came for? He says, this is what I come for. Very well, if that is what you come for, so now the whole scenario is going to change now. Because you come for a purpose. And that purpose is achieved in a particular manner. Now a person wants to have the cancerous tissue removed. He says the cancer is to be removed, but he says to the surgeon, don't touch me with any instrument. You remove this thing, I am not undergoing any operation. This is by the only way I can take it out, because I have to operate on you. I'm going to cut you apart. And you're going to have to be without all the things that you are so desirous of, your favorite food, and so many things you are going to have to stop from everything for a while. And this operation is going to be painful. And it's going to be costly also. And all the things the doctor tells him, the surgeon tells him. So he wants that to be done, he's going to finally submit. He says, fine, whatever it is now, I need the operation only. Because it's not going to happen the other way. So likewise, spiritually, these people were ready for every operation. He said to him, very well, you come to this, now everything is going to change. First, made him change the, all those so-called royal, kind of garments that he had. So when he came, they gave him the best of clothes to wear. Now they gave him some old kind of sack type of clothing, made of sackcloth. And with this. And your whole day, what your job will be? That in those days there was no electricity and so on. In the winter months, the water had to be heated for the Muslims of the Muslims, they would come, the water would be heated and then so now the fire had to be all the time fed with the wood. 
So that's your job, and you keep cleaning all these gutters. That's your job. That's all. No, was he far? Nothing. This is your job. Because he already had the saving, what's the, what's the position here? But he's coming from this kind of household. His father had this esteem, respect, so he had been given that respect. So now, because he was not spiritually cleansed, all those were doing that. And he became now bloated from within. Already this was next day, this was going to be cheated. Now the point we're discussing is that people in that time recognize number one, the malady. Then they recognize that this malady needs to be cheated. And then they were ready to undergo whatever operation was required to cheat it. So this anger, for example, is a malady, it's a big malady. But a person to start off with doesn't acknowledge that this is a malady. There's always some explanation for it. And then if there is some acknowledgement also that this is a malady, there's no effort to treat it. And there's no effort to rectify it. But at that time, people understood that this has to be rectified. And whatever sacrifices, efforts have to make, he made for that, can do it. In any case, now he accepted. Now he's coming from a very wealthy family. <coughs> and he's regarded as a very highly respectable person. Now he's been told this is what you do. You keep feeding the gutters, you keep feeding wood into this, that's going to make the fire, that's going to heat the water for the Musandis, and you keep putting water for them in the lotas, in the jug, in the zoo. He starts with this, and he carries on. Day in and day out, this is his job. And he doesn't even come back to ask him for how long he carry on with this. He's separated himself with the doctor. The day the doctor decides that now something has been happening, fine. So he carries on. Now in that time, the toilets was the bucket system. So, the bucket had to be cleared daily. There was some slave in the house, who used to clear this bucket? Now this person has come, he submitted himself for an operation. When he came and handed himself over, whatever is necessary to cleanse the sun, all these spiritual maladies are ready for him. So he's come and handed himself for an operation. In any case, the chef says to this person who cleaned the toilets, that, now that person is regarded as a very lonely person, nobody wants to come close to him also. There doesn't want to be anywhere close to him. Because the person now obviously this is his job now. So he will be with those kind of odors, that kind of whatever. So he told him that when you clear the toilet that you are going, then you just go very close past. Now this person is busy with his job of cleaning the gutters and so on. You just go past him, just brush him and carry on. So in any case, he did that because he was instructed to do it. And now leaving with that bucket, he passes close by him. And so to say, just brushes him and just passes by. So as soon as this happened, he looked up in anger at this person who passed by with the bucket. And he told him with anger in his voice and his eyes, that Nahua Gango. What he meant to say is, you're lucky this is not Gango, this is not my hometown. If this had to happen in my hometown, we did this there, then I would have shown you. I right here now I can't do anything. My hands are tied, so to say. But had it been there, then I would have taught you a lesson. This person just heard what he said for the comment and he passed by and carried on. 
And then he came and related the whole outcome that I did what you asked me to do, and this was the response. So the Sheikh said, Well, still, there's a lot left to do. Still, the, the, perhaps some way it was, there's some improvement, but still undone. Work is not completed, let me carry on. He carried on still. Some months passed away. Then he called the person who plays the toilet again. He said, This time you go, and as you are passing him this time, make sure a little bit of the filth spurs on him also. <coughs> the first time he told you, just brush past. Imagine what an operation. He did as he was instructed, and he let some of the filth spill onto him. This time, it's worse than the first time. The first time he just brushed past him and At that time, he told him something. Or the second time, there's even some of the mud pouring on him. So he just looked up at him in anger, then he kept quiet, he didn't say anything. This person came and related to the chef, what happened? He looked up at me in anger, but he didn't say anything. See, well, there's a lot of improvement, but still not complete. Leave it. Let him carry on. After some time passed again, told him, now you go and you pretend that you are stripping. And in that pretense of stripping, you let the whole bucket fall on him. Now it's very easy to speak about this. For me to sit down and discuss this, it's very easy. But imagine that person in his shoes at that time. This person, as he's passing now, he pretends to just sort of lose his balance and he lets that whole bucket fall on him. And he pretends to fall. So as soon as this happened, this person, now all this muck is on him. But he immediately rushes to this fellow who's fallen. He didn't really fall, he just made himself fall. Asking, you sure you're okay? Nothing happened to you. So now when this happened, he came and reported this. This is now the outcome today. He said, Alhamdulillah. Now the work has been done. Then too he still put in through some other tests. It is another lengthy incident. And eventually he called him and he told him that that wealth which your father had given me, I have now already passed it on to you. Now you may go and serve the Deen of Allah. But this process, now the recognition and the acknowledgement of the disease, of that malady. And he was breaking that pride. That anger stems from pride. Because he was coming from that background, and all the time been given that respect, and been given that kind of recognition, that kind of consideration, and every time he comes past, people are giving him way. Because he hadn't rectified himself, he hadn't cleansed himself, all this went to his head. Or that pride, and that pride gives rise to this anger, and that pride gives rise to so many things. So this whole process was breaking that pride down. But the thing is, he submitted himself. <laughs> he didn't resist, and he didn't feel anything about it, and why I'm putting people through all this. But when he submitted himself, the day came when he's not concerned about his problem, he's concerned about the next person. Nothing happened to him. Now this is that entire branch of Ihsan, the cleansing of the inner self. And this cleansing of the inner self requires this effort. It doesn't happen by the way. Otherwise, shaitan is all the time laying shacks. 
to deceive a person till the last moment. The Shaykh Abdul Qadir, he once went into solitude for a whole 40 day period and engrossed in the ibadat of Allah and in mujahada and difficult. And the mujahadas of those times, because they were trying to, and they wanted to really cleanse the inner side, to eat the bare minimum of food just necessary to survive. All luxurious foods and everything. Nowadays, everything is of the best, and you want to still try and acquire the highest. Alhamdulillah, remember that we make some effort, that too is, mashallah, something to be appreciated. But, in that time, people really did mujahada of a level we can't imagine. In any case, he, after this whole lengthy period of mujahada and in solitude, out in the mountainside somewhere, he finally, now engrossing ibadah this whole time, turns to Allah Ta'ala, when this entire period of time finished, suddenly out of the blue, there was light that appears. And from that light, there's a goblet that comes out, a hand sticks out of the golden goblet. That, Alhamdulillah, you have done so, so well, this is your reward from the unseen. So, as soon as he saw that, he immediately decided, La hawla wa la illa billah. And as soon as he decided, La hawla wa la illa billah, the whole thing just disappeared. It was a deception from Shaitan. Because he saw this golden goblet, the beast person has forbidden the use of golden utensils. He immediately recognized the fact. So when he recited La Hawla Wala, the whole thing disappeared, and then Shaitan spoke and said to him, Abdul Qadir, today your knowledge saved you. Today your knowledge saved you. So he again recited La Hawla Wala Qawta Illa Billah. It is not my knowledge that saved me, it's only Allah Ta'ala's grace that saved me. The ulama and Bashai say, that the second test and trap was the most serious one. <coughs> because they even sometimes, like they say, when it's very muddy, even the elephant slips. Elephant is a very steady animal. It's got those huge legs. It can walk through any terrain generally. But when it is very muddy, then even the elephant slips. Then even big, big, somebody on a high rank also can slip. So this was a more dangerous Shut the shaitans laid out that to divert the attention that yes, I have achieved something. It's my doing, my knowledge, my hard work, my efforts, my labor, my piety, nothing, nothing, hopefully nothing. Only the grace of Allah. Only Allah's grace. But this is how dangerous the traps of shaitan. And he keeps laying this trust up. A person who has made an effort with the Fadal of Allah to remedy these diseases of the heart, to cleanse this pride, to remove this malice, to remove this jealousy, to remove the love of this dunya, to remove this ego, then in time, and this is a long process, a lifelong thing, as a Shaykh al-Hadith this as a source of encouragement. Sometimes these things are expressed. As a source of encouragement to his Murid and so on, he said to them that after continuous effort, at the age of 70 I gained the wealth of the class. 
70. Not that he didn't have a class before him. But that level of a class which is the high level. <coughs> but what the lesson he was giving is that 70 years that effort carried on. It's stop. But if there's no effort, then what can you expect? The continuous effort to remedy the soul of all these maladies, all these diseases of the heart. And this is, as we said, an ongoing thing. Now there's anger. So, person now doesn't even recognize this as a malady. He's now splitting the steam all over the place. He's not recognizing it as a malady too. Where is ever going to get rectified? Where is it ever get cured? And on the other side, he's learned how to control it. He's made the effort. And then not just to bottle it in, but to send it across. And he's reflecting on the hadith. مَنْ كَضَمَ غَيْرًا وَهُوَ قَادٍ عَلَىٰ إِنْفَادِهِ مَلَأَ اللَّهُ قَلْبَهُ أَمْنًا وَإِيمَانًا The person who restrains his anger where he can give vent to it. This was the hadith we were discussing. He is in a position to vent it. But at that stage, he keeps quiet. It's for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and restraining his anger. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with peace and iman. Subhanallah, can we imagine that the strength of iman, the taste of iman will be given to him. And his heart will be filled with peace. At that moment, anger is a bitter gulf. Anger is a bitter gulf. But when he takes that bitter gulf, it's like bitter medicine. When he takes that bitter medicine, it brings the very positive effects. Anger is a bitter gulf. For that moment it's bitter. But it will have very sweet end results. After the short while of that bitterness, it will have a very sweet ongoing effect. And venting the anger might be sweet. So the person feels now he got it off his chest. Venting the anger might be sweet, but it has long-term bitter results. Long-term bitter results. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with peace and iman. One person in Yehovan passed away. He was a very pious person, good person. Any case, somebody saw him in a dream after he passed away. Dreams are not something that you can use as a functionary basis, but you get good dreams, you get true dreams. Maybe Islam used to ask the Sahaba, anybody saw a dream, then he would interpret it, to give the meaning of the dream also. But there are all kinds of dreams. Sometimes dreams are without any meaning. Many times people see some very frightening dreams. But the sum total of the frightening dream actually is indigestion. All the gases of the indigestion start going upwards to the mind, and then there's all these gases start creating all kinds of things in the heart and mind, and he sees all this in some very, very frightening dreams, and he gets so perturbed by it. In the hadith, and these thousand say the person sees a frightening dream, then should make a spitting action on his left. Besides ta'awuz, a'awuz billah ibn shaitan ibn and a spitting action, not to spit physically, putting action towards the left and then he should not mention it to anybody Lam tadurrahu 
it will not harm him in any way. What to get frightened about him also. So in any case, the we were talking about this person who passed away. So somebody saw him in a dream. He asked him, how did things go with you? He said, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala forgave me. He says, what became the means of your forgiveness? He says, one day I came home, as usual, but that day I was very hungry. I was very tired. When I came home, so my wife presented the food. So the food she presented, it might have happened that by chance, the salt, she added extra salt. It was very salty. A person is hungry, and often they say that a hungry man is an angry man. But that is a hungry man is an angry man, that man who hasn't understood realities. Otherwise, a person who has the realities that Nabi Sassam has taught in front of him, then a hungry man is a patient man. A hungry man is a tolerant man. Because that's an our equation for patience. In any case, this person says that my wife left the food there, it was very salty. And I became very upset. As if I was hungry, I was tired, and I wanted to eat, and now this food is salty. You see, at that time, it occurred to me that whatever it might be a mistake. So, I didn't say anything. I just suppressed that anger, and I quietly even ate the food up. So, what a mujahada that might have been. Number one, he is upset about it, and then he's still eating it, and it's not palatable, very palatable, it's something that's difficult to eat, but he ate it up. So he says that after I passed away, I was now summoned, and then I was told that present your deeds. In any case, this is what I was finally told that you forgave her because she was our servant, today we forgive you. So on that tolerance, on that patience, on this thing that anger has forgiven. It's a dream. We saw it in a dream, but there is no harm in taking the lesson from this dream. This is the thing that became the means of his forgiveness. That I from the Quran when we started the discussion, Allah Ta'ala says, the same qualities of the Muttaqeen, those who spend in ease and in adversity. Those who restrain their anger. And restraining the anger but then harboring malice, that is not the, an achievement. After restraining the anger, and they forgive. person sometimes says, I can't forget. Not forgetting is something else. Forgiving is in our capacity. It might take a while to forget. Time is a healer. But forgiving is in our capacity. And Allah Ta'ala loves this forgiveness greatly. This is among the salient qualities of the muttaqeen. And not just that. One step further. Wallahu yuhikmul muhsineen. Person wants what is to pass. 60-50% is also passed. And 60% is also passed. But some person say, I'm not happy with 70%. I want the distinction. I want the A. And some person says, I don't even just want an A. I want an A plus. So the person who wants an A plus, Allah Ta'ala says, well, Aqina and Nas already just got a distinction. But A plus, Wallahu yuhibbul muhsineen. 
Allah Ta'ala loves those who make ihsan. On top of that, they shower favors. On top of that, they do good in return. So such a person now is the A plus. Okay, he's sitting in a gathering, all his students, again a person of that caliber, that rank, Imam of the time. One person comes and he slaps him. Can you imagine? He comes up into the gathering, comes off straight to him, and he slaps him in front of all his this whole gathering of people who are regarding him as a great personality, a chef of the time, Imam of the time, such a great fakir, jurist. And he slaps him. What was that God through the hearts of those around? Ramu Hanifa immediately starts talking to him. They keep everybody at bay. He says to him, look, you slap me unjustly. I haven't hurt you in any way, I haven't done anything to you. So you slap me unjustly. If I take revenge and slap you to the extent that you slap me, I will be entitled to it. Because that is something that a person is entitled to. Al-Aidu bil-Ain and I for I. So to the extent that you hurt me, if I hurt you back, I will be entitled to it. But I won't do that. See, if I want, I can lay complaints to the Qadi, the judge, that this person hit me, and the Qadi will take revenge on my behalf. I will be entitled to do that. But I won't do that also. If I want, I can ask my friends here to take revenge on my behalf. Because you hurt me, to the extent you hurt me to take equal revenge, I'm entitled to that. But I won't do that. If I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamah. Before that he said, if I want, I can curse you. Because you hurt me, unjustly. So that curse won't be something that will be impermissible for me. I will be entitled to it. But I won't do that also. If I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamah, for the day of judgment. When every person who was dealt with unjustly in this world, Somebody's wealth was taken away unjustly. Somebody was, somebody made rebirth of him. Somebody was hurt. Somebody was slandered. Whatever injustice was done to somebody in this dunya. He'll come on the day of Qiyamat and he will claim payment. I want to be recompensed. And all this person's good deeds will be taken and given away. And he doesn't have good deeds. This person who was unjustly treated, his sin will be taken and put onto the zalim. If I want, I can leave it for that day. He said, but on that day also, I won't take you to task. I won't demand anything. Instead, now this is that A+. plus. He said, if Allah Ta'ala, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala gives me Jannat, Allah Ta'ala gives me the opportunity and the permission to intercede on behalf of anyone, I will intercede on your behalf and take you to Jannat. Now this is وَالْعَافِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ it's not that he didn't get angry, he also got angry, but he restrained it. On top of that, he is showing this kindness, forgave it, and then showing this kindness. And where he had all the opportunity of taking revenge. Now, this is that acting on that hadith, the person who restrains that anger where he could have given ventilation, like that wife, or that employee, or whichever other situation where a person has control. But he restrained himself to Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with peace and iman. In one hadith, the Prophet says, he'll be called on the day of Qiyamah. 
حَتَّى يُخَيِّرَهُ مِنَ الْحُورِ الْحِينِ مَا شَاءَ Allah Ta'ala will give him the choice of the Hur Aeen. You decide. The choice of the Hur Aeen is actually a glad tiding of getting to Jannah. Because the Hur Aeen will have that opportunity only in Jannah. So the disdaining of anger is the glad tiding of Jannah being given to him. Now this is where it starts off from to firstly recognize that this is a malady. It is a disease. And this needs to be rectified. It needs to be cleansed. And like this, Allah Allah Rabbam illa makhartah Wala hamman illa farrajtah Wala haadatan hiyatata nidam illa qadaytaha wa yastartaha Ya arhamar rahimeen Ya arhamar rahimeen Ya akramal akramin Ya rahimal masajin Ya arhamar rahimeen Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa durriyatina qurrata a'yun وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا فَاغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ رَبَّنَا وَآتِنَا مَا وَعَدْتَنَا عَلَى رُسُلِكَ وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لَا تَخْلُفُ الْمِيعَادَ اللَّهُمَّ ثَبِّتْنَا عَلَى الْإِيمَانِ وأبتنا على الإيمان وأحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكذه إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين إله العالمين يا الله Allah, your innumerable favors and bounties we use every second, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 all our nihmas, Ya Allah, all the nihmas that you blessed us with, Ya Allah. Allah, the eyes you gave us, Ya Allah. Allah, the ears you blessed us with, Ya Allah. Our hands and feet you granted us, Ya Allah. Allah, our heart you granted us, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, from head to toe, Ya Allah, every nihmas and favor is yours, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, how ungrateful we have been, Ya Allah. Allah, all your favors and bounties we use to defeat your commands, Ya Allah. Allah, we use it to break your commands, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, we have created a great, Ya Allah, we have committed a great injustice, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, we have been indeed very ungrateful, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, we are sincerely repenting, Ya Allah. Allah, we deeply regret what we have done, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, we firmly resolve not to commit these sins again, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, make our good deed, Bakhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, make us like the day we were born to keep these sins, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive our parents, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive our relatives, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive our friends, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive the entire Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, show your Makhira to the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, whatever is happening to the Ummah, Ya Allah, we acknowledge this is due to our Amal, Ya Allah. Allah, the hardships and suffering is due to our Amal, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, give the entire Ummah the topic of those Amal that bring down your Rahmat, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from those Amal that bring down your Adab, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive the entire Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, show your Rahmat of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, show your kindness of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, you remove the difficulties of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who are suffering in any way, Ya Allah, remove their suffering and hardship, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are suffering poverty, give them food to eat, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are without shelter, give them shelters to live, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are without clothing, give them clothing, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 give afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Allah, give afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. 